Welcome to the resource room. I'm Amanda, the blogger and TPTer behind the Primary Gal. As a special education teacher, you are always supporting others, students, parents, general education teachers. But who is supporting you? That's where this podcast comes in. It's my mission to give you the help and support that you need. I'll be sharing my tips, tricks, research-based strategies, and professional development. I'm here to help you grow and learn as a resource room teacher. Are you ready? Let's dive in. Hi, Hallie. I am so excited to have you on the podcast today. You are my very first interview. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to have you here. So I would like to start with just you telling who you are, what you teach, and a little bit about yourself. Sure. So I am Hallie Sherman. I am a speech-language pathologist in New York. I work in a public school on Long Island. I work currently in a fifth and sixth grade building. However, I have experience working with preschool through high school. Um, I'm a, this is my 14th year as a school-based SLP and my 11th year in my current district. Okay, so when I first started working with the older students, I didn't understand why they were still getting speech and what I can be doing differently with them. And that was when I started experimenting different learning styles, different activities. And I realized that there's other people out there that can benefit from the experiments and things that I'm learning. And that was when I started my blog, Speech Time Fun. And since then, I now have a Teachers Pay Teacher store. I have a podcast, SLP Coffee Talk. I do professional development and a whole lot of other things. But I'm all about trying to educate and help other SLPs that work with older students realize that they can make a difference. They can show their students that they can be successful and that learning can be fun. I love that. You're so good. And it is, you know, a lot of times uh, just me as a resource room teacher talking to my SLP, she wants to dismiss them before they go to what we have at in our district is the sixth grade center. Like, oh, so-and-so will be like, why is this kid still here? So I get that a lot, you know, and it, it is. So what do you feel like you do differently than maybe other SLPs? Or maybe you could share a little bit about your experiments, what you've done and, and learned along the way. Sure. So when I first started, I would just get these students and their goals. I didn't understand why they had them. It was just, I was inherited to me. So I figured, okay, that is just a goal of a fifth and sixth grader. Sure. Okay. And there was no materials out there. There was no place to go to. There was no TPT. There was no Pinterest. So I I was like, what else is out there? Reading books, ESL materials. So I just used what was out there and I didn't teach it to them. I was just drilling and killing and expecting a different result. And there's like that whole Albert Einstein quote, like, if you do the same thing over and over again and you expect a different result, it's insanity. And they're always like, I'm going to drive myself insane. I'm not making a difference. These kids are frustrated. They are bored. They don't want to be there. And I realized I had to do something differently. I had to take a step back and think, okay, they're working. Also, they're doing this with the resource room teacher. They're doing with the reading specialist. They're doing this in the classroom. It's not sticking. So me doing the same exact thing with them is not helping. So I have to think, okay, why are they with me in the first place? Okay, they have a language delay. Okay, so 
what is the language component in these reading comprehension goals? Well, okay, we know that decoding plus language comprehension equals reading. So you need comprehension of language in order to read, in order to comprehend and demonstrate what you know. So, okay, let me, let's try this. Let me take the decoding piece out and let's see how these, some of these kids do. So that was one thing I tried and let, let me read it to them. And a whole bunch of students were like, wait a minute, you're not making me read. <laughs> and, 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 I, and I just won them over by not making them read. Something yeah. as simple as that. And they realized, wait. And they realized they can get the answers right if they didn't have to read because reading for them was so labor intensive. Yeah. That was one thing. Then I realized, okay, just because they're in fifth grade doesn't mean I should be giving them fifth grade material and expect them to be successful. They're reading at a second grade level. What if I use their reading level and work on skills at that level. Again, I then won them over. When I, that was when I started creating materials because it wasn't, if I was bringing things that I found, it was too cute or like the dog named Spot, which was not appropriate for right. a 10-year-old boy who is playing Roblox and wanting to feel <laughs> cool with his friends. So I realized I had to find things that was simplified language text or make it myself and work on these skills so they can read it, so they can understand it, and utilize it. And then I had to think, okay, how could I teach it differently? What about their language skills is impacting their ability to be successful? Well, with, for example, working on main idea, they have to uh, read a text, understand the vocabulary of the text, understand sentence structure. They have to understand yeah. the question types and know what's expected of them. They have to know how things go together. They have to understand categories and associations. All those different things are language domains that I can work on to help them in turn then be successful with working on main idea, which is needed in the classroom. So I had to teach it differently. I had to use different approaches than was already done. So I worked with the resource room teacher in my school. I worked with the, the uh, literacy specialist and I said, what are you guys doing? And then I said, what can I do differently? Okay, I can use graphic organizers. I can use simplified language. I can use lower reading passages. I can make it fun. This, and use their interests in the passages this way. It's not boring. It's not, you know, she's forcing me to do this, but I, and I don't want to be here. It's, oh, I'm reading about TikTok and working yeah. on an idea. Why Who wouldn't not? wouldn't want to do that, right? <laughs> done, done. So that was really what I learned across the way, and it helped my students succeed. And that's when I realized I had to help teach others that they can also shift their thinking and realize that they can be a different perspective in the puzzle that your students need. I love really, I kind of love two things about what you just said. The first, you broke it down into very simple chunks. And I think sometimes when you see that kids are failing or doing poorly or struggling so much, you want to like attack all the things. And that's not realistic. We have to really say, okay, well, language impacts it in this way and that way. And then what can you do from that? And you really never stopped. You, you know, chiseled away at one problem and chiseled away at the next and the next and the next until like you were right there, do, you know, figuring it out. And I also love you using their interests. I think that is like the number one key. And so how do you do that? What do you, um, you know, is it just the topics of your passages? What do you feel like you do to make it fun and really engage them? 
one, especially in the beginning of the year, I always am trying to find out their interests. And even on asking them all the time, what do you do on the weekend? What are you watching? What are you playing? Always having that dialogue because, hey, one of them, someone might have gotten a puppy and are obsessed with puppies right now. One of them might have just started a YouTube channel and it's all about videography and like all the things. So you never know what's going on on a day-to-day that you can utilize. But there's so many resources out there like News ELA, Tween Tribune. There are so many free resources out there that have things on the topic. If you go to News ELA and type in Fortnite, there are like five five articles on there. Tween Tribune has an article on virtual reality. Um, Time for Kids has articles on is video games good for me or bad for me. I when the space the new Space Jam was coming out, I found something on Looney Tunes and the Space Jam. There's always something going on relevant to the times where there is an article appropriate for students out there that you can utilize. And I love those sites where you can where it tells you the lexile and grade level so you can find ones that are appropriate the appropriate topic and the appropriate level and your students don't know that you change the levels on them. That's the best part. Yeah, that's perfect. And you could have the same theme, the same concept for multiple groups that you're pulling throughout the day, but changing that Lexile level. So it's perfect. That's wonderful. So how do you build um, good rapport and confidence with your students or help them build their confidence? Um, What do you feel like you do that really helps build that rapport? Giving them those quick wins right away. I start out when working with them, not just throwing at them like the most challenging thing. I'll start out with a quick something. And also, even before I even start any lesson, I always do some like growth mindset activities and, and talk about making mistakes and how it's okay to make mistakes. I do like those famous failures kind of activities, how Lady Gaga had a failure and Michael Jordan and Oprah, and they all look at them now, those kind of things. And I talk about my mistakes. And then I also talk about strengths because our students all the time are told like, okay, you just failed this test. You have to go to the back of the room. You have to go to that extra teacher in that closet over there because you're failing. And they, they start to, feel, especially when, they, in the, when they're younger, they're like, woohoo, I get to go to, an, I have an extra friend I get to go to. But as they get older, they're like, my friends are going to music and I'm going to that teacher in the closet over there. That's not fair. Like why they're done, they, they're getting stickers on their tests and I'm not. They're getting bonus time on their Chromebook and I have to sit in the back table with my, my teacher. They're learning that they're different and they're, lear- they're learning that learning is hard for them. So teaching them to focus on their strengths really helps. I agree 100%, especially even I see like right now this year, I'm teaching second and third grade and I can see the difference just between second graders versus third graders. It's a big difference. They start becoming so much more socially aware. It's hard. And fifth and sixth is just, you know, it's like it magnifies each and every year. Oh yeah. After that summer, you, you, they, they are so much more aware. (laughs) So because our students are seeing such a big gap between them and their peers and that confidence, how do you keep them motivated? By keeping it fun. I realize if I make my room fun and warm and inviting, they're upset when I cancel. They're upset when I'm absent. They're like, where were you? They're like, I had to go to music. And I'm like, I thought you wanted to go to music. So they're like, well, not anymore. They're, they're realizing that, and also when people walk by and they see I have a Jenga on the table, they're not embarrassed to be in a room with a Jenga on the table. 
And I sometimes and I sometimes give them that flexibility. Like, do you guys want to play a Kahoot or a Blue Kit? And they're like, we want to play Blue Kit. And they're like, they're shocked that I'm giving them a choice and I'm letting them like pick the lesson. I'm like, I don't care as long as you're learning. Go for it, dude. So true. Yeah. So it just keep, keep making it like them feel like, okay, they're being heard. They are respected. And, and just having that warm and comfortable environment, This their students are not going to take risks if they don't feel um, like they can trust you. Right. And what I love, it sounds like coming to speech is a reward. It's something they want, like, but they have the privilege of coming to speech two times a week or once a week. That's amazing. And I feel like I strive for that, you know, I mean, I want that, but it really is something I'm sure you put so much time, effort, and energy to make it like this awesome reward to come to speech every day. That's wonderful. Mm -hmm. Um, how many students do you have on your caseload, Hallie? I have about 65 this year. I typically have around 65. 65. Wow. Uh, and just in fifth and sixth grade. Yes. So I have the whole district. So it's, it's oh, yeah, the okay. building is about 1,200 students. So I have 65 of them. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. How do you stay organized? How do you keep track of 65 kids that, and I don't know how speech works at your school, but for our uh, SLP, she might see some kids once, some kids twice a week. How do you juggle all of that? Time management and organization. And I am a type B. I am not type A, I swear. I'm not, I mean, you don't even want to see my shoe closet. Like, like I'm a mess everywhere. <laughs> and even, and yep. even in my speech room, I have piles. All, uh, but I call it organized chaos. But what I find more important is setting myself up for success and also recognizing and knowing my weaknesses. So I know that I am forgetful and I will get, and I don't do well with last minute and I don't like the pressure of like, Oh my God, I have a meeting tomorrow and I didn't write the reports yet. So I, in the beginning of the school year or when I first get that student on my caseload, I have tons of, it used to be Excel spreadsheets and now it's Google sheets, but I have the caseload. I have my schedule. I have dates and I, I plug in, from the beginning, when things are due. And I do all of that in September, right in the beginning, so that it I, once the craziness of the year comes on, I don't have to worry about it. Whenever I get a new date, I plug it into my calendar. And not only that, I plug in, when am I writing that report? When am I going to test that kid? When am I, what, when am I doing the you know, progress notes? I plug, all that is in my calendar, so I don't even have to think. Um, this way, like, we, we were... My daughter was COVID and then I was out and I came back and I went to the school psychologist and I was just like, well, I, what, what, what do you need from me? Like, I don't even know. And she was like, you're good. You were up to date before you left. I'm like, oh, thank God. Like, <laughs> good so thing. this way when things happen and, you, and you're not near any of your devices or this and that, like I am, I have things digital so I can always access it from home, but I also have the paper planner, which is always out on my desk. This way in case internet is down. I'm one of those, like, I need backup because I know myself, so. So yeah, that's how I work best. And the other way I work best is trying to not, I try to plan for my students and not plan, like I try to coordinate my sessions around one activity, one book, one skill, and not try to tailor to every single student because that's 65 lessons. Right. I don't have time you can't. for that. It's impossible. Like, let me, 
let me take that one article on Fortnite and figure out how many groups can I do it with and do it until I can probably read that article with my eyes closed. <laughs> That's so. good. Um, what kinds mm -hmm. of dates do you put on your calendar? I actually was just talking to a group of uh, special ed teachers the other day about using your calendar to kind of backwards plan. We do it with curriculum. We know if this is the end goal, what are the steps to get there? And so a big part is what are you putting on your calendar? What things do you need if you know this is the due date or you know this, what kinds of things are you writing? When am I taking that kid? And I might plug in two dates because let's be real. I might be absent. They might be absent. Mm, might yes. be something going on. So I might have a backup day. When am I writing the report? When am I doing the IEPs? And, and you know, one day do I have to hand it all in? All those different things. So all the different steps that are needed. learning kind of, I can give me 20 minutes and I can crank it out or no, it's going to be more like 30 minutes or, you know, how long is it going to take? I feel like that's an important piece of what you're doing. You know, in your prep time or that, you know, that chunk of time, what you can actually accomplish too. Exactly. And that's when, if I'm planning smartly and planning as many groups around one activity as possible, I can devote those little five minutes in between each session or my lunch or this, that I can write those reports of this. I don't bring anything home if I don't have to, because I'm trying to get it all in and I map it out so that it gets all done during the day. Yes, that's amazing. And I think what every teacher obviously is striving for, but when you have this mountain of paperwork, it's hard. And even, um, in the little session that I had with some of these special ed teachers, we were talking about listing all of the things that you need to do in a day or a week or a month. And when you do that, it's daunting. It's hard. But I like how your Google Sheet has it all. It has the dates. It's spaced out. Then you're not trying to do five things in one you know, prep period or whatever. You really have a plan for everything. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Because let's be real, things come up. And if, if I don't do well with the last minute, I don't want to be scrambling because that kid was out for three weeks with COVID. Like right. things come up. Like, let me try to get him a month in advance. This way I have some wiggle room. Yes. And especially like now more than ever, if it's not you, it might be the kid. It might be you get started and you don't get time to finish. Like Exactly. Yes. Yes. So how do you keep track of data for some of the, uh, for your IEP goals and for your students? So I, I always keep like, like a Google sheet, like a goal bank for myself. Um, anytime I come up with one, I try to like put it there. I have different tabs for the different types of kinds of goals. Um, anything that I can rinse and repeat and reuse to save time the next mm -hmm. time. Good. And then what about like progress monitoring then those goals? So I always use um, data sheets. I'm, all, I'm a paper and pen. Sometimes I'll use a dry erase marker throughout the day. And I keep a binder. I'm, I am old school. I keep a binder with a, a data sheet for each individual student. And this way I can track the data throughout the year. This way when it comes time for a progress note and or an uh, annual review at the end, I just have to look at it, see how they do. Um, I'm also in the park of... I don't love numbers. I love anecdotal data even more. It tells, it, it tells me more about 
what they can and can't do. Like, why were they successful with main idea? That's going to help the next therapist or the next teacher or the parent, whoever working with them. Oh, they need simplified language. They need a graphic organizer. They need the repetition of information. Who cares if they got it four out of five times? Like in the end, that's just a number. I really like that. I agree. But honestly, I am a numbers kind of girl. So I never really thought of it that way. I had a student a while back who were in the meeting and I've got like what honestly on paper looks like the crappiest data ever. Like the progress looks so minimal, but I'm like, oh my gosh, she's grown so much. She's done such a great job. And it's like, oh, but it's all those little pieces, honestly. You know, it really is because her independence has grown. It used to be so much hand over hand. And I had to say, you know, like with decoding, I was saying a lot of the sounds and she was matching me or, you know, she was matching letters to my sounds. Now she's producing the sounds. But when you progress monitor, it kind of looks dull. So I love that. You're exactly right. Those anecdotal notes are huge. Mm -hmm. Like, yes, we need the data. And yes, we need those numbers to know how to guide our instruction. But knowing what to do to guide it is more important. Right. Because, you know, so many of our kids move here, there, and everywhere. And when that happens, they're going to be able to see exactly what you did and not be like, well, how the heck did he get four out of five, you know? Oh, well, look at all the supports that she was putting in place. That's exactly why. So, yes. Oh, is that the paragraph level? No wonder. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Yes. Um, How do you communicate with other people? You know, with special education, we have so many people. You've got parents and gen ed teachers, administration. How do you communicate? It's definitely a challenge. Um, one, I always try to be an open book in the beginning of the year. I'm like, you could always email me. I'm, you know, that's the best way to reach me. But even just like walking the hallways, it sounds, it might sound silly, but like even just going to the bathroom, people find me and I, you know, (laughs) and it's an opportunity. Like, and I have found that advocating for what I do the most helps people realize how they can utilize me and what they can ask me in the beginning. People thought I was just working on the R sound all day. So they didn't think they didn't think to ask me anything other than like, hey, how's Susie doing? Um, but once they realized that I was a wealth of information that could help them, but it's really just, you know, having that open door, you know, feel free to come ask me anything. I'm here to help. I'm showing them I'm, I'm in it for the kids and I'm not, you know, it's not a door. Uh, there's no I in team kind of thing. Yes, that's wonderful. I agree. Um, do you have any apps or websites, things that you use that might help other special ed teachers or specifically resource room teachers, that kind of thing? I love using Jeopardy Labs. Um, there's tons of free games on there. So if you're working on, even if you're working on like biomes or whatever, there might be a game already on there. All you have to do is search. It is free. Oh. Um, you can easily make your own game as well. And it makes students are just competitive. Um, so it's just an easy way to turn any review activity or, or a skill-based thing into a game. I also love Bamboozle. Bamboozle is also free. It's a game show type thing. There's like tiles. And again, you can also find so many pre-made ones or you can make them for yourself. Students love it. Even like the older ones, they get to pick a door. They don't know what's behind it. It could be a lose a turn. It could be a, it's it's just anything that's 
use incorporating technology, they really, really love. Um, I love using Edpuzzle for doing a lot of, I use a lot of Pixar shorts with my students to teach different skills. I take the reading piece out. It's not always reading and they, they think it's fun. Um, we work on note-taking. We work on summarizing a higher level thinking questions. And I love that Edpuzzle pauses the video and it allows my students to think, process their thoughts, use their strategies, and I can to select when we move on. It's not like there's a timer or anything like that. Um, and again, you can find ready-made ones or make your own right on Edpuzzle. Cahoots, Blue Kit, Gimp Kit is another one where they all are types of games where students get to log in on their device and they get to have a little game show. And, and again, there's ready-made ones or you can easily make your own as well. And who doesn't love that? I mean, like every kid would love to do that. And especially like say test prep, when you're thinking about all these ways that we can practice different skills, review things that we've been doing all year, it's, that mm -hmm. would be amazing. No wonder they'd love <laughs> to come to speech with you. <laughs> okay. So my last question for you is a silly one and you can say, Amanda, I don't have anything for you, but do you have an embarrassing teacher story? Because I feel like we all have them, but are we willing to share them? I am. I am. So early on in my career, I had a room that was right outside. Like it was right in the main hallway, but it was of course another closet. Um, and it was right in the, so it was like when my, I always, and my room was small. So the door was always open and it was very crowded. And, um, one day for lunch, I decided to, with some coworkers, we ordered sushi. We were in the mood. And we're like, let's let's treat ourselves. And I probably ate too much sushi. And <laughs> the, the group came in next. And um, again, remember, speech language students have no filter. Right. So I am trying to, you know, crawl around them to get to my dry erase board. And one student looks at me and he goes, you're pregnant. And I'm like, no, I'm not. And the door's wide open. I'm like, and here I was like trying to get pregnant. And I'm like, oh my God, oh, people think I'm, I'm like, I'm not pregnant. No, no. And I'm not pregnant, not pregnant, not pregnant. Like, like move, let's move on. Fine, let's, I'm like, leave me alone. I'm like, I just ate a little too much. I'm a little bloated right now. And then like the same student, like two minutes. So then my the you know, time was starting to go by and my stomach was digesting the food that I just ate. And my stomach made a noise. <laughs> and the same student goes, you farted. And I'm like, no, I, I'm like, speech is over, dude. Like, come on now. Like, go back to class. Like, <laughs> at this point, my face was like bright red. I'm sweating. I'm like, oh, my God. Never again am I having a big lunch during the workday, like salads and like healthy stuff from now on. I was mortified. I was like, oh, my God. This would have been fine if, like, no one in the hallway, like, this kid was laughing. Like, yeah. I was like, oh, I'm mm -hmm. the point my coworker next door was like, what's going on in here? I'm like, nothing. You heard nothing. Just keep walking. Keep going. <laughs> you heard nothing, saw nothing. Like, move on. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's one of those things. Like, that happened probably what? My daughter's now almost eight, like, nine years ago, and I'll never... <laughs> forget it. Never get over mm -hmm. it. <laughs> no. Oh my goodness. That's hilarious. I had a student once. This is so terrible. We were in the quiet room and he had been very escalated. We had de-escalated and I was standing by the door. He crawls over and I had passed gas. We have been in there forever. And he says, 
why do you let kids come in here and fart? <laughs> I was like, honey, nobody came in here and farted. Yes, they did. I can smell the fart. I'm like, well, it's just me and you. So, and he's like, well, it wasn't me. <laughs> it was <laughs> terrible. <laughs> But it was just, he thought some other kid had been in there farting or something. And really it's like, buddy, we've been in here a long time. <laughs> oh gosh. But yes, the things that come out of their mouths, it's crazy. So um, before we conclude, you do have to tell my listeners all about the wonderful things that you've been doing um, with your PD and your podcast. So where can they find you and how can you help them? Sure. You can find me on Instagram at SpeechTimeFun where I'm always sharing free websites and things like that where you can use with your students and it can benefit not just speech and language students, but any students working on language-based skills or just want to have some, some fun while learning. I also have a podcast, SLP Coffee Talk, where I have guests and, and it's topics like mine where we talk about strategies for working on like cause and effect or compare and contrast or working out with students with ADHD and just different types of, I bring in some uh, different specialists, which can um, provide some strategies for different students. It doesn't have to be just for speech. It's just anyone working with students with speech and language difficulties could benefit from it. I also have a TPT store where I create resources for older students that are lower level yet still engaging and appropriate for an older student. So topics like Nintendo and, you know, fast food and things like that. And it's not too cute. So that you can find that at Speech Time Fun on TPT. I also have a pot. Oh, I said the podcast. I also have a membership, SL, um, SLP Elevate, where I have resources, monthly resources for older students for speech. And then I also have, am the host of the Speech Retreat Conference, which is now virtual, but used to be in person, where it's practical PD for SLPs or anyone working with school uh, age students with speech and language difficulties, which you can learn from people in the trenches. It's an event. It's unlike any other conference. We give out mailed swag. We have giveaways. We have a photo booth. It's just a lot of fun, and we get to celebrate um, doing what we love. That's amazing. I love that you're doing that. And so is that in the summer? So our next one is March March 5th. We have three a year. So March 5th, sometime in July and November. Okay, that's wonderful. March 5th really will be perfect timing for when this goes live. So that's amazing. Um, I hope people will check that out um, because it's amazing. And like you said, not just for you know, the SLP world, cause and effect. That's what I'm doing every day. Main idea. That's what, you know, so in a resource room setting, that's valuable as well. Mm -hmm. Exactly. We're all yes. working with the same students. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, well, even just the overlap between say my SLP and my caseload, not that it's identical, but it's pretty close. You know, we, we share so many students, so it, it would just be so helpful. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. Well, thank you so much for coming today. You were a wonderful first guest. It was perfect. I could not have asked for someone better to share their ideas, their resources, and all the wonderful things that you're doing to help our special education students. We need that. Thank you so much for having me. Well, my friend, that's a wrap. Thank you so much for listening to the Resource Room Podcast. 
I truly, truly love to help and support other special ed teachers. Because of that, I run a Facebook group just for us. Search the resource room and request to join. You can also check out my website, theprimarygal.com, for blog posts, pictures, and more information. Until next time, have a great week.